You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Welcome to the Choose to Be podcast. I am Amy and Alana and I are here with you today again, joyfully ready to record another episode for you. We absolutely love this. And we were just shooting the breeze before we hit record and just talking about how we love the concept that this podcast offers. And we thought, let's just hit record and talk about this because what we're noticing and really the vision that, that I personally wanted to have with this podcast and having myself as a coach and Alana as a therapist and how, because of where both of our minds work and where we're coming from, it gives you two different perspectives. We love the conversation, which is why we're always like, welcome to our conversation, because it really is a conversation when we get together on a social, just outside of this and socially, this is really what we do. We're constantly going back and forth and she'll you know, bring the therapy side of it and show all these beautiful dynamics and aspects and how the brain works. And I love forward thinking and how the brain works and it's just beautiful. And I'm hoping we're hoping that as you listen to these episodes that we record, and I think the last couple we've, you might have been able to see that in motion, how it goes back and forth, how, how we're always showing the different sides. And I really just think it's beautiful and it's why it works. So notice as we're talking in these different podcast episodes, that if something resonates with you, where Alana will, I notice how you, Alana, you'll slow things down where I kind of start getting on this thinking like, all right, come on, you can do it. Let's move forward. Let's go. Because I, that's me. That's my, not only just my personality, but I love helping women see that they can move forward despite the circumstances in their life, that they have the power to do that. And I love helping women tap into that power and see what they're capable of. And let's just get moving. And I get very passionate with that. And I love your way of, okay, hold on though. What we've got women in raw trauma, let's slow it down. It's a, it's a beautiful dynamic, I think. Yeah, we do well together. And if you knew Amy, yes, that's totally her personality. And why Amy is so good for this podcast is because Amy has a ton of energy and a ton of, okay, what do we need to do? Let's do this. Let's take the next step. The only reason this podcast is here and moving is because Amy is so good for me. And she's like, okay, Lana, well, what are we doing next? What are we doing? Okay. When are we going to record? What are our topics? And I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm not ready, but the truth is I probably would have never been ready. And so I love that. And I love that you have that drive that for our listeners can keep challenging you when you're ready for it. So those of you who are ready for it, that yes, that coaching mindset you have is so powerful and so forward focused. And I love that. And then for myself, like personality wise, sometimes I've been embarrassed as far as like, I'm like, oh, I'm too calm. <laughs> like I'm too mellow. My kids would not agree with that, by the way. But generally speaking, I just tend to have more of this like calmer nature. 
And I think, yeah, with my own personal experience, but also just with the way I've been trained in my work of like, okay, slow it down, make space for the feelings. Where are we at now? I think that that is really beneficial. Well, it's beneficial along the whole way. And also this forward thinking can be beneficial along the whole way. So I think, yeah, the two of us together. It's a great balance. Can make a great balance. And you know, you know me, Alana, you know, I need to be slowed down. (laughs) So it's such a great fit. And I know God put us in each other's path and it's been a beautiful, not only working relationship, but friendship. And so I'm, we just wanted to put that out there for those of you who are listening. If you find yourself flip-flopping as you listen to our episodes where your brain's like, oh yeah, I can do that wait, no, I'm not ready. Wait, I, well, <laughs> sometimes I think you might be going back and forth a little bit. And I, I think that's great to notice where your brain is at when you listen to these different topics. And like you've heard me say before, I love giving women the opportunity to see what is possible. And I will tell you over and over that there is nothing different in me. I don't have anything that you all don't have to get the life that you want and to have the peace and the happiness and the joy. And I love how Alana is always thinking of every single one of you. She thinks of every possible scenario where you guys are at and wants to meet every single one of you where you're at to validate your pain, validate your progress, validate those difficult circumstances. And it's beautiful, how wide spread her heart can go. And so it's hopefully you're getting something met when you listen to our episodes. And that's really why we keep doing this. And I know it's vulnerable for a lot of, but it is for me too. I promise it's, it really is hard for me sometimes. So, but we do it anyways, cause we love you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for, again, the amazing feedback that we get from those of you who are benefiting from this, from these episodes. So today we want to talk about making space, which we made some space today (laughs) for ourselves, because we do know that it is hundred percent important for you to know that you have the right to take up space in this world. What we're doing by taking up space in this world, by putting out a podcast, we have a right to, and we love it. And it is absolutely taking up space. We are, we're being big. (laughs) We're standing big warrior pose by, by having a voice. And our hope for you today with this episode is you walk away with this desire to have a voice to take up space in your world, in this big, beautiful world and in your relationships. First, let's talk about a couple things, reasons why we struggle taking up space. First and foremost, just Amy's thoughts. I don't know, Alana, quite how you feel about this per se, but I honestly feel like being born into this world as a woman, we're already set up to be made small and quiet and subservient. It's just the world we live in be quiet, be small. You don't have a right to speak up. And it's unfortunate. Wait, wait, wait. I think the simple fact that you just said that you're born into the world that way 
probably makes you a feminist. So you should probably stop talking right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know I totally threw you off. Were you being sarcastic? I was. <laughs> I was. I'm sorry. That was terrible of me. But it's so funny. I was like, wait, what's wrong with being a feminist? <laughs> I'm like, seriously, my brain just went, you don't know this by now? No, no, I'm sorry. That's um, funny. That's well, that's really funny. Right. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. I own that. I absolutely own that. And yet I do see more and more women who are taking up space and paving a way for all of us. And it's awesome. And it's beautiful. And I love it. And I love that we're doing this episode. So having said that, let's talk just a little bit about some of these thoughts that we are either fed through the culture and society of the world, or that we our brain just offers us of why we struggle taking up space. So some of the things that I have said to myself, or I've been made to believe is I can't be too, none of you are going to be surprised by this. (laughs) I can't be too loud. You're too loud. You're too vocal. You're too opinionated and you're wrong. So those are, I think the main ones that I have grown up believing and hearing and why I started to make myself small. What about you? Mm, It's funny because this topic hits close to home. So I have a harder time coming up with words. I was raised with five older brothers, lots and lots of testosterone in my house. And I remember being a little girl and them calling me mom and then being like, you, you try to tell us what to do. And, and I probably did actually. I probably was this little person who bossed around my brothers, but it's interesting because growing up, I never felt like I couldn't have a voice or I never felt like I was taking up too much space yet when I got married and I'm like thinking about this, like you're listening to me process as I talk, when I got married, my husband didn't overtly do anything or say anything that told me I was taking up too much space. There's nothing that I could really pinpoint, but I was so afraid to spend money on myself. I was so afraid to put my comfort above his. I was so afraid to ask for my needs to be met. I was so cautious of doing things that took up space. And so, yes, there were times that he didn't respond in the best way financially to this day. It's been years and years of working recovery. And sometimes he still has to remind me of Alana, I'm not that way anymore. Like, I do want you to go spend money on yourself because he would tell me things like, yeah, yeah, spend money on yourself. But the minute I spent any money, well, why did you spend that? Where did you spend it? Did you really need that? So Maybe the more I talk, like, yeah, I was getting these messages, but it wasn't, it was on the like surface level, go spend whatever money you want, but then there's behaviors and actions and messaging underneath that, that told me, no, you don't get to actually do that. Nope. You're asking for too much. You're being too much. Your opinions are too much. And I think that happens in general to a lot of people is this, these underlying messages that kind of reinforce to pull back, to make yourself smaller. Oh, a hundred percent. 
Yes. Cause another way that I can relate to is this trying to be easygoing as possible just to try and make other people's lives easier, Ugh. you know, and get nothing in return for that. Right. It's just, I've got to, I've got to make sure that they're not inconvenienced, that they're not feeling discomfort, that their emotional <laughs> well-being is more important than mine. And that kind of falls underneath some verbiage of being Christ-like and being, you know, that whole messaging, a physical response to that. So I think you're absolutely right. It's that undertone that sometimes we get in this world and in the culture that we, our brains then interpret and we have thoughts about, and then we behave. So not so much blaming anybody, but we got to talk about, we have to recognize the thoughts that are coming wherever they come from, our brain is offering thoughts. Our unconscious brain has thoughts that it's held on to, and realizing that I am allowed to take up space. That is an incredible realization that I have the right to not only exist in this world as a woman, but to have all the opinions that I have to have the goals that I want to have. And it truly means taking up space means you get to choose. You get to choose the life experience you want. You get to choose the relationships that you want to have experiences with. And I just got to do a plug. So my grandfather just recently passed away and I've been thinking a lot about him as I'm sure you can imagine that happens a lot when we, you know, lose someone and I've had memories come up about him, things that he has taught me. He played such a big part in my life of who I am and the, the talents and abilities that I have. And I've realized that he was an absolute advocate for his granddaughters. And I was one of them. Never once did my grandfather give me the impression or tell me that I couldn't do something because I'm a girl. And I think that's pretty remarkable given his generation, to be honest, but he never once made me feel like I couldn't do something. In fact, he was my advocate. I I honestly, a lot of my feminism to him because If I wanted to climb the tree and I had a dress on, he didn't care. Go climb the tree. You want that plum? Go climb the tree. So that's just something that came to my mind as I got him on my mind is, um, I'm really grateful to him for that Hmm. because when I did have those parts of my life, those times in my life where I did make myself very small and very quiet and very subservient coming out part of my healing and remembering that I have a right to take up space in this world and then I can do anything. I'm really grateful for him for that. I think that's really tender. And you said that part of your healing was tapping into this part of you and making space for it. And absolutely. I think this is part of the healing journey is making space for really who you are and how you feel and letting that be okay. And the fact that you have needs and wants and desires and making space for all of those things, I think essentially is part of your healing. And the word that comes to mind is really learning how to be authentic, learning how to make space for who you are and how you feel and letting that be seen and heard. And that doesn't have to mean we're taking up space. So now we're going to go shove that in everybody's faces, right? We're not saying that we're saying 
No, like learning how to just take up the space that you are learning how to make space for all of these things that you already are and not making yourself smaller, not shrinking. And I love Brene Brown. Like how many episodes have I quoted her? Like half of them. Oh yeah, she's going to be on an interviewer one day, one day, one day. (laughs) she, She says, because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. And so a lot of this work and really like boundary work and healing work and moving forward work begins with you really working on that self-acceptance and you really working on that authenticity. Absolutely. So one of the things that I do to help my clients start taking up space and finding who they are coming back to their authentic self. I love that phrase too. And I love that word. I want to offer a couple tools that I think are maybe some of the very basic ways that we can do this. I think this fits in whatever uh, space you're in your healing journey. So this works for everybody, but one of the first things I think needs to happen is notice your thoughts, notice your thoughts about all of it, everything. I have my clients go extreme with this that it's going to feel really weird, but I want you to notice your thoughts about everything you're doing, folding laundry, making dinner. Why are you folding laundry the way you're folding laundry? So, and and here's why I'm saying this, because I used to fold laundry a certain way. And because I had a totally, there's no right or wrong way to fold laundry, first of all, but there was a certain way that after I got married, a certain woman showed me how to fold laundry and made like, was like, no, this is the right way. This is how you fold laundry. (laughs) So I started to fold laundry that way. And it sounds so silly, but I had to stop and go, wait, hold on a second. Why am I folding laundry this way? And do I really want to, (laughs) what do I really think about this? And that's going to sound overkill, but I want to encourage you to start thinking and questioning your thoughts about all of it, everything. Why am I making dinner every night at five o'clock and no one eats it? Because I think I have to, because I think that makes me a good mom or a good wife. What are your thoughts? Notice those thoughts, dissect, get curious about those thoughts. It starts seriously just right there because we're being fed so many thoughts about what a woman should be, what a mother should be, what a wife should be, all of that. You start getting curious about what you want to think about all of it. So that's where I would say we start first. I love this. And I love the type of journaling and work and even processing like with your coach or therapist around like, where did these messages come from? At at what point did I believe that this was the right way? At what point did I get a message around this? And your brain will feed you information. I, I might say to a client, when was a time in your life where you got this message that you needed to do this a certain way and give it a matter of seconds, a memory comes. And normally they will say, okay, well, this came to mind, but it doesn't really apply. And then they'll share it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that applies. It almost, it, no, it always applies because your brain gave that to you for a reason. Your brain has linked that somehow together. Now it's our job to figure out why it's bringing that up and where it's linking it. But those answers, that information is inside of you. And so a lot of the work I do with clients 
is helping them unlock what's already there, helping them understand and see what's already inside of them. It's not me feeding them the information on how to take up space. It's not me going, okay, you just need to do A, B, C, and D. No, it's about me sitting with them while they slow down. They make space for it because all of the information you need is already inside of you. 100%. Absolutely. And that's why thought dumps are one of my favorite tools to use right there. So I'll just give you that little tool is to do thought dumps every day. Make this part of your life now because your actions flow downstream of your thoughts. And so if you don't notice what thoughts your brain is offering you, then your brain's running the ship. And if you are behaving based off your thoughts, whether you notice them or not. So you might as well notice them so that you can start having results in your life that you want, because it all flows downstream. So that's where I would start. And then I think the next way to make up space is, is voicing your thoughts, sharing them. Now, if you are with someone in a relationship that is not safe right now to share those thoughts with, then don't. Okay. Right. You're the one that can, that can determine that there's still a way for you to voice and have a voice with safe people, support groups, therapist, coach, family, like who's on your healing team, right? We've talked about a healing team before. That's where you can have a voice and take up space that way. I'm just really grateful you added when it's safe because Healthy relationships share emotions with each other. Healthy relationships have a voice and each person has a voice. But I know a lot of times when we're looking at this through the lens of betrayal, trauma, and sexual addiction, a lot of times when you've had relationships that have that sexual addiction piece of it, it hasn't been safe for her to have a voice and it hasn't been safe for her to share feelings. And so when that safety has been created, then that requires her to have that vulnerability and take some healthy risks to start having a voice. And that's not an easy process to be able to start doing that, but also recognizing that might not be where you are today. So having said that, let's talk a little bit about how you can still take up space even if your partner is not doing the work, because don't you see that happen with some clients is that we tend to feel, I know this is what happened to me. And I deal with this a lot with some clients is that if their partner isn't doing the work, then they feel like they can't take up space yet. So let's just talk to that a little bit. Mm, taking up space, first of all, has way more to do with our own personal mindset than it has to do with anybody else. Right. Because this whole concept of taking up space is abstract. Um, like, yeah, sure. There's maybe some physical things where like uh, on my bed. Okay. This is a really good physical example. We have a king size bed. We got this huge bed because we have a lot of kids and if they ever have nightmares, they can come sleep with us. Or I like my space when I sleep. So I wanted a bigger bed, but anyway, but get the king size bed. And every night I found myself with two or three inches from the side of the bed, because no matter where I slept, my husband would scooch over next to me and everyone is like, oh, that's so sweet. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not sleeping. He's not giving me any space. Yes. When I want to snuggle and be close, that's really sweet. 
But when I'm not in the place that I want that, like when I wake up in the middle of the night and every night he's literally in the middle of the bed, like spread eagle. Okay. That's not really cool. That's not really kind. Amy is cracking up because she knows him and I love him. And this is an area we still have to like navigate, but in this, I had to get to this place where he is wired to want to be close and I had to get to this place where for me, I had to say, Alana, it's okay that you get a good night's sleep. It's okay to have boundaries around how much of the bed that I am willing to share and how much space I need for me to be able to rest. And so I have gotten to this place where like we can snuggle until I'm ready to go to sleep. And then, <laughs> okay. I used to like even measure out the middle of the, the bed. This is terrible. And I'd be like, no, you're on my side of the bed. You need to go to your side of the bed now. But okay, we've recently gotten um, the type of bed that it's a dual bed. So it's like the two beds that are- Oh yeah, they each bed. go up and down separately or whatever. Oh my gosh, it's the greatest thing ever because now there's no I'm like- getting one of those. <laughs> I love it so much because now, like when I'm ready to go to sleep, it's really clear of it's okay for me to ask for a twin size portion of the bed. And so now like my sleep, we've only had it for four or five months, but my sleep is astronomically better. And guess what? When I have more sleep, I am more kind and I am more patient and I want to snuggle you more because I'm in a better place. And so this was a very physical, concrete example of taking up space, but it started with me going, Alana, it's okay for you not to be squeezed on the edge of the bed. Alana, it's okay for you to prioritize your rest. And I had to start with myself to be able to be okay with taking up space. And just one other quick story, I'll make this one fast, but in working with my therapist in the beginning, he was trying to work with me on taking up space and he, and I'm going to warn if you have little kids around, I'm about to swear, but this is what he said to me is he said, Alana, I need you to be a bitch. And what he meant by that is I need you to have a backbone. I need you to be the one to say, no, I'm taking care of me. And these are the things that I need because I was so quick to self-sacrifice. And he said, stop taking one for the team. He's like, every time you come here, you're always taking one for the team. You're taking one for the team and it's okay now and then to make those sacrifices. But if you are constantly living in a place where you're constantly making yourself smaller, constantly sacrificing, then we're just losing you. A hundred percent. I love that you said that. And I'm dying over here laughing because I seriously am like, Luke, I am all over that space in our king's eyes. <laughs> there has to be like a line of pillows. He has a boundary of pillows. Don't cross the pillow line. Anyways, it's great. Fantastic example. I love that. That is really difficult for a lot of women to do. And I'm really glad you brought that up about having a backbone and not self-sacrificing. Oh my gosh. I think that's one of the most common ways that we give ourselves an excuse to not take up space. We think it's noble or Christ-like or somehow good to be the one to self-sacrifice, to not be a burden, right? There we go again. Not going to be a burden. It's too much of a burden to ask him to get another therapist. 
too much of a burden to ask him to do a CSAT therapist and a recovery program and marriage counseling and nightly check-ins, right? That's too much. I love that you just brought that up of having a backbone. I have Have a client I worked with one time and our goal and homework week after week was I wanted her to practice having a voice with people. And the reason we did this is because it was so uncomfortable and so difficult for her to have a voice because she was like, I used to be like in this place of always making herself smaller and not wanting to inconvenience people and not wanting them to have hard feelings. And so we would come back together and she'd say, okay, here's the different ways that I had a voice. And we'd both go like, okay, this is cool. And we'd process through what worked and what didn't and why it was hard. And then she, and week after week, she's like, oh, she'd say, oh, this is really helpful. And I go, okay, you want to do it another week? And she'd go, yes. And she hated it, but it was so important because that having a voice was one way that she was learning to take up space in this world and really that was building her self-trust. That was helping her know that she can show up for herself. I love that you added that part right there. Oh my gosh. So important to build that self-trust. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Okay. So taking up space with your thoughts, with your voice. And now the next little step is to take up space by feeling your emotions. Okay. Big difference between feeling and avoiding reacting and resisting big difference. Feeling is that emotion that you feel inside your body, the pounding in your chest, the tightening, the throbbing, the spiky, the pinch, the fast, slow, hot, cold, all of that inside your body is feeling the emotion. Okay. So that's what we're talking about here. And it is absolutely okay to feel all of it. It's okay that you're not ready to forgive. It's okay if you're still angry. It's okay that you're still taking up space to allow for all of these feelings that you have. And so that's another way that I would make myself small and see this happen too, is um, trying to rush through this process. I don't want to feel this, not not only is it because it's uncomfortable, but I got to speed this up. This is taking too much time. Recently had a client say that she was actually feeling pressure from her husband because he felt she was taking too much time to forgive. You're taking too much time to try and forgive me. You need to get it yourself together. You need to speed this up. That broke my heart. You can take all the space you want to feel the emotions that you need in order to decide if you want to forgive or not, because that is your choice. So taking up space with this emotion, I don't think a lot of people look at it that way, but that is absolutely taking up space in this world. I love that. And would you mind slowing it down a little bit and giving some definition around what you mean Um, with the avoiding, resisting, and reacting, reacting. Yeah. See, once again, this is why I love Alana. Slow it down, Amy. (laughs) 
Okay. Yes. So when we react, reacting to emotion is slamming doors, stomping, yelling, screaming, punching, hitting, right? Something that is happening outside your body. You're reacting to that emotion. Now, oddly enough, that's reacting to maybe anger or negative emotion. You can react to positive emotion too. If you're excited about something and you're running through the house screaming, oh my gosh, I can't that's actually reacting. That is still actually not feeling excitement. So feeling again is something that happens inside your body. And then avoiding is like uh, numbing out Netflix binging. I'm just avoiding a lot. There's a lot of buffering um, happening there where, so for me, I would eat food to avoid feeling my negative emotion. So that's what that looks like. And then resisting is just I'm kind of pushing my hands out here, just pushing it all away, getting it out. Nope, 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 not going there, shoving it down. Nope, nope, nope. I don't have time to feel. Nope, can't do that. So those three things are what we typically do because it's a lot easier to do that than to feel. In order to feel, you got to stop. <laughs> you got to identify what's happening in your body. You got to name it. You got to make space for it. Like good heavens, who really wants to do that? But it is so important to, to take time to do that. Thank you. Thank you for breaking that down. And I think that you'll probably relate listeners. You'll probably relate to those different ways that Amy expressed reacting, resisting, and avoiding, <laughs> avoiding. <laughs> that you'll probably relate to some of those. And I think it's a lot easier to do those than it is to feel. So if you are going to this place of like, dang, why don't I do a better job of feeling? Why don't I make more time to feel? I don't think our brain is wired to do that naturally. That has to be something that we practice and put into place often enough. So it does feel and become more natural. But if that to you feels totally foreign or inconvenient or unfamiliar, that's pretty normal. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Here's something that I want to add to that. Yes, you are going to have to practice this the rest of your life. As long as you have a human brain, you are going to have to practice stopping and accessing your higher self to be in charge of your human brain and say, all right, now we're feeling we're going to stop and we're going to allow because your brain thinks it's dangerous, right? To feel it thinks it's dangerous to feel anger. And so we've got to be in charge of the brain that way. And I personally think that's one of the reasons why we're here on earth is to get really good at feeling the negative because it is so much easier to do the opposite. Look around the world, look what's happening around the world right now. People are reacting, avoiding and resisting all of the negative things that are happening. These real problems that we've got to address. And I think if a lot of us stop to really feel and have even empathy for what other people are feeling, we'd have a completely different world, but you've got people all over just avoiding this negative emotion and reacting in very dangerous, violent ways. So this is hard to do. We're not designed to do this just to your point. So yeah, absolutely. Give yourself a break here that you're not, I promise you're not going to like nail this. Got it. Nailed it. Got that taken care of you will practice all of this the rest of your life and that's okay. The next one 
that of taking space in this world is asking yourself and making space for what do you want to do? So I'm going to give a silly example, but it's a very common one. How many times have you gone out to eat with anybody in this world, whether it be your spouse or a friend or whoever, and the question comes up of where do you want to go to eat? And we go, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? And then the person will go, okay, well, what about this place, this place, or this place? And you're like, you know, I don't want those. Okay. Well, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Wherever you want. Right. Amy's got this face like, okay, Amy, you've done this. I'm sure. But part of- No, I haven't. You've been out to eat with me. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. You did choose really well. You know Uh, where I like to go. But- I think that part of this is as we start taking up space by doing things that we want, the first step in that is we have to figure out what we want. I was so programmed for so many years, whether through my own self-programming or the world programming or a combination of both of not having an opinion or being ready to take my opinion and just mold to whatever somebody else wants. And so I think it's really important that we figure out what do we want to do and then making space for some of those things that we want. There were things in my life that I used to love and then life and having kids and being married. I remember that I lost myself more and more through the years. And when the betrayal trauma hit more than ever because of the trauma I felt a complete sense of loss and connection to who I was, how I felt, what I liked, what I wanted. I really resonated with the movie Runaway Bride, where she had to relearn of, because she had adapted and molded to all of these men, she had to relearn, okay, well, what kind of eggs do I like? Do I like scrambled eggs? Do I like eggs Benedict? Do I like, like eggs, you know, over easy, over hard? And I felt like I had to do that is, okay, what did I like to do when I was little? What did I want to be when I grow up? What color did I like? What did this? Okay. Well, do I still like that today? I literally went and pulled out old scrapbooks from as a little girl and flipped through them, like trying to see who was I like, am I still that person today? So making this space of figuring out who you are and what do you want to do? So you can start re implementing these things into your life again, or for the first time ever. I love that. And as talking about pulling out those books and looking through and remembering what you wanted, my heart just, I had a lot of empathy for that. I could visualize that. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's a beautiful way to what I saw you do is just walk through what we're talking about, right? You just, what do I think? What do I really want to keep thinking that? So that's, that's beautiful. Yes. What do you want to do? And don't be afraid if it's something you think you're too old anymore to do. For example, if you want to play the piano, you are never too old to learn how to play the piano. If you want to learn how to tap dance, it is never too old. You're never too old to learn how to tap dance. So I'm going to, I'm going to warn you right now, when you start to do this work, what do I want to do? I a hundred percent promise your brain is going to give you every reason, (laughs) like you're going to think, Oh, I want to learn the piano. And then just be prepared for your brain to give you a thousand reasons why that's not a good idea. (laughs) And I want you to fight your brain. I want you to be in charge of your brain here. Okay. 
It's, it thinks it's dangerous. So it's not push through that. And honest to goodness, write some things out. What do you want to do? And I started to do this after I got divorced. This is when I had my take up space time and started to learn how to do this for myself. And many of you've heard me speak to this and share this example, but one of the ways that I did this was to start going to the movies by myself, taking myself to fancy restaurants, restaurants that I just wanted to go and eat at, but felt like I couldn't because I was single. And how dare I think that I can go to a nice restaurant if I'm going to sit by myself. Those little things for me were really important to take up space and do and know that I had not only the right to do that, I have the choice to do that and I want to do it and I can, and it doesn't matter what anybody thinks, how to get out of my own way there. So it doesn't matter where you're at in this journey, figure out what you want to do. Another thing that I wanted to do was take myself to spring training baseball games every year. And that is something that I have kept for myself. I warned Scott when we were dating, I'm like, by the way, you don't need to come. And sometimes I'm like, don't come, (laughs) but I will take myself to spring training game every year. That is one way that I take up space. I love it. It fills my cup. All right. I think another way that we take up space, we've got to be vulnerable here. Okay. So we talk a lot about vulnerability and how that not only applies to connection with other people in order to have healthy connection, we got to be vulnerable, right? Let people see into us. The reason why I put this in this category of how to take up space and starting with yourself is in order to have healthy connection and let someone see into you. Like Alana was saying earlier, you got to know who you are. You have to see into yourself first. Mm -hmm. So getting to know yourself again is beautiful. Vulnerability can be scary, not only to let someone else see who you are, but I found vulnerability to be a little scary for me to really see who I am. That was a little bit frightening. I'll be honest to Mm -hmm. really start to see who I really am because I had to see all of it, right. All of the pieces, all of the mess too. I can't ignore the messy parts. I had to see that I had to be okay with it. And I had to learn to love it. Isn't that a beautiful way to take up space, learn to love your mess. I think that I think that's pretty cool. It is cool. And it, I love that you said like, yeah, it's so hard to do. Uh, Here's Brene Brown again, right? She says, vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they're never weakness. Mm. Takes such strength to be vulnerable. And so if you're in this place of like, I don't want to be vulnerable, then yeah, (laughs) I don't think anyone really does. I don't want to be vulnerable. I choose to do it on a regular basis because the rewards and the benefits are so worth it. But in the moment, I never want to do it. For sure. My brain never wants me to go down that road. Okay. So let's talk about now that you can start with taking up space for you in your world. Very simple steps here. Now let's move over to taking up space relationally. So I think just the same four concepts apply here in terms of noticing your thoughts and getting clear about what you think about 
you, about him, and about your relationship together. What are your thoughts about that? What thoughts are your brain offering you? And, and are there some thoughts that your brain's offering you that aren't valuable to you anymore? So for example, what comes to my mind right off the bat is if my brain kept offering me this thought of he's not safe, he's an addict, he's going to hurt me again. And let's say he has done all the work and he truly is in recovery. If your brain keeps offering you that thought and it's affecting your relationship and you taking up space in that relationship, is that thought valuable to you still? There's a difference between our thoughts and our intuition. And so, and I don't know, like, well, we have to identify the thought to see if that like to distinguish between the both, right? Like, here's what my brain's thinking. Do I want to think that? Do I, me, my higher self believe that thought and want to choose to think that thought? Okay. So here's the challenging part is when you're going through this betrayal trauma and you've been betrayed before, I think part of that is going back to what we talk about a lot of recognizing, okay, is this past behavior that my brain's going back to and it's getting scared and I'm having a trigger of the past or are there active things happening today that tell me that it is not safe or is it spinning in the unknown future and that's scaring it? So I think that's part of the work is dissecting into like, where's my brain at? Is it in the past? Are there active things happening in the present or is it spinning in the future? And so I think that's what I'm taking from what you're saying with this thought work is really assessing the thoughts and breaking them down and paying attention of where is this coming from? Is this actually in line with how I feel? Because our thoughts are not always accurate. And a lot of times we're wired to just think, well, because I had that thought, then that's right, or that's accurate. And so slowing the process down, questioning our thoughts. And when I have a client who comes in and constantly we have the same thought coming up over and over and over again, there's usually a reason why that thought's being triggered. And so is that thought being triggered because there is an active threat? Is that thought being triggered because there's something in the past that we really still need to work through? Is that thought being triggered because we're getting lost in anxiety of what ifs? So again, it's that slowing the process down and being willing to really look at where that's coming from. Sometimes my brain is feeding me warning signals and they're absolutely accurate. Sometimes my brain is sending me warning signals and it's just my brain. Sometimes my brain is throwing things out there because it's just wired to protect me, but there's not actually danger. Yeah. And I think this is another example of the forward thinking. Like, I think that at some point there really is this place where we can get to, we hold on to those thoughts that our brain will continue to offer. I mean, my brain will always tell me that he is dangerous and is going to hurt me again. But the truth is he isn't. The truth is I can protect myself. The truth is that thought does not is not valuable to me right now because it's not true. And I think that's what I'm, as I'm thinking about certain clients even, that they're staying stuck in their relationship what I'm seeing is that they're not taking up space in their relationship because these thoughts that their brain is offering them 
from that very real trauma, they've got to start getting clear about what you just walked through. Is this true? Is this really happening? Is he really not safe? And that's when you have to access your higher self to see reality, to see the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to build on that is, and when they're in that stuck place and they're scared to move forward, usually those thoughts are serving a purpose, maybe not a helpful purpose, but the purpose of like, I remember when I was somewhere in the journey and I had so much pain and I had this aha moment with clarity that I realized I didn't want to let go of the pain because as long as I clung to that pain, I felt like there was some safety. That pain, that pain allowed me to stay sharp, to stay aware, to not be taken advantage of, to not go back to that place that I was. And so the idea of letting go of that pain meant that all of a sudden that I was vulnerable and I was at risk and that I will get hurt again. So sometimes when you are stuck, there's something happening that's keeping you stuck for a purpose, even though it may be like a maladaptive purpose, or it may not actually be helping you. We get these stuck points for a reason. And that's where we need to go. Okay. I am stuck. So what's holding me back? Mm-hmm. What's happening? What am I clinging to that's not allowing me to progress and move forward? So mm-hmm. this whole conversation that we've been having is really awesome because slowing it down and dissecting it will be so helpful for those who are in the middle of it. And if you're listening to this and you felt stuck for a while, being where you are today in some way, maybe is helping you. And is it fear of the future? Is it not ready to let go of the pain? Is there some way? And the question I'll ask clients sometimes is if I magically made this disappear, like I had a magic wand and I made this disappear right now, what would be the benefit? And people usually go like nothing, nothing would be the benefit. Okay. I know that that feels that way, but something somewhere, like the way we're wired as humans is there tends to be like good and bad and everything. And we tend to get some benefit even out of really crappy situations. So what would be the thing that you would lose if I instantly just made this all disappear? If you're in this place where you're feeling really stuck, we all have blocks in our healing and recovery, but we don't want to get stuck when a block comes. So really doing this work of what we're talking about here, even we're talking about making space, but with the block of going, okay, so what's happening right now? What is it? What am I afraid to move forward with? What am I afraid to let go of in the past? Really slowing it down and dissecting some of this so that you can be able to take those steps moving forward. Absolutely. And you can't slow it down until you get clear with the thought that your brain is offering you. And for me, it really does help me to separate the two. I have to separate who I am from my brain, because if I don't, then that's where self-judgment and shame kick in. Mm. When I have self-judgment and shame, and even, and we'll add fear and worry, worry, getting it wrong to all of that, then 
because if I get it wrong, then that means something. I make that mean something about me, who I really am. And I have to separate those two because then I am stuck. Then I'm not moving forward. And so relationally taking up space, it is very tricky and difficult depending on your situation, how to move forward in that space. But unless the thoughts that you're having and why your brain's giving them to you, and is that something that you need to keep thinking? Because to your point, you know what? Yeah. Right now I need to keep thinking the thoughts of that produce anger or protection or safety because I need to stay safe still. Or, and again, I think reality check too. No, he's doing all of the work and I am ready to take the step forward towards him in our relationship. And that is brave. That is the most brave thing you can do. Yeah. To love again after betrayal in the current relationship or a future relationship it takes bravery. It takes courage. It's a risk. And asking what you need, mm-hmm. asking that, you know, okay. So that's another way you take up space in your relationship. Here's what I need. Here's what I need from you. And, and if you're in that place where he is safe to make a request, then that can take a little bit of thought work around too, to be able to be brave enough to ask for what you need in that relationship. So as you're listening to this today, I hope these steps as we broke it down, give you some direction and some guidance. And if nothing else, just start opening up this idea that you deserve to take up space in this world. I think about if anyone's listening has daughters, I hope with every ounce of my being that my daughters don't shrink and make themselves smaller. I hope that they take up the the exact amount of space that they are, that they can be authentic to themselves, that they can be able to say things and have a voice and share feelings. Like all of those things that I hope for my daughters, I need to remember to, to have that for myself too. And it's so much easier for me to give my daughters all the room in the world that they need to be who they are. And I struggle to do that for myself. So if nothing else today, I hope you take that, that you deserve taking space in this world and space in your relationship. So thank you for being part of the conversation. And we look forward to seeing you all next week. If you're ready to start taking up space in your world and in your relationship, then take your first step by going to our website at chooserecoveryservices.com and meet with one of our amazing team members that will help you navigate this journey. Also, as vulnerable as it may be sometimes, please consider sharing this podcast with others that you think would benefit from these resources. We also invite you to share us on your social media so that others can have the opportunity to these resources and learn what you're learning in choosing to heal, choosing recovery, and choosing you. Take care, everybody.